tonight's lesson, I am ready to give an answer. Go to First uh, Peter 3.15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to, to, to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I know many times folks will take this a little out of context. They will say that we are to be able or be ready to give an answer to everything, but I would suggest that if you were to ask me a question, I probably don't have the answer. I probably would say, let me study that a little bit and go. But I am ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh me the reason of the hope that is in me with meekness and fear. I'm ready to give answers of why I want to go to heaven, why I live like I live. And that's the hope that is in me, and I hope that it's in each and every one of us. Some are not ready to receive answers to certain questions, and people will ask you all kinds of questions, and you will think, you're not ready for that. You know, people will ask you all. I've had a lady one time that I visited, and she had not come to services in years, and she says, i tell you what, I'll come back if you can tell me where Cain got his wife. And I thought, you know, you don't really want to know where Cain got his wife. You just want an excuse not to come to services. And so sometimes people will ask you questions that you can't give an answer. Someone says, well, you need to tell him that he got his wife at his father-in-law's house. And you shouldn't go through life worrying about someone else's wife or where they got their wife. And that's about as good an answer as the question that was asked. But I am ready, and I hope all of us are ready, to give an answer of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. All Christians should be, give, be, a, of course should be able to give an answer to basic questions. We understand that. But sometimes, as I mentioned this morning, in one of this morning's lessons, that uh, we as Christians so often cannot give an answer of why we do this or why we don't do that. And, you know, uh, I think Brother... And Guy Wood said years ago that um, uh, about 50% of congregations, people in congregations, do not know why we do not use mechanical instruments of music and worship. And he said, I believe that probably 25% wouldn't make any difference to whether we brought the instrument of music in or not. I think it's pretty accurate. There was a questionnaire one time that I passed out at a congregation. I asked them to fill it out with no names on it, and that was kind of one of the questions. And you know what? I was Brother Woods was exactly right on that particular question and many others. They didn't really care whether you brought an instrument in or not because they did not know the answer to a basic question. And so many are not ready to give an answer. This, um, this lesson is not intended to step on anyone's toes. No lesson is intended to step on anyone's toes. But you know what? If it does, then it needs to. I, I imagine uh, uh, Brother Paul heard uh, Keith Moser say this from time to time. I remember him when he was preaching at a local congregation. A lady came out and she says, Brother Moser, you stepped on my toes this morning. And you know what his reply was? I'm sorry, I meant to step on your heart. That's what we are here for. We want to step on one another's heart. 
We want to go to heaven. That's the hope that should be in us. And we should be able to give an answer to everyone that reason or the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. James indicated in James 4 verses 13 and 14 that our life on this earth is, is brief. He said it's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. In other words, it's here one moment it's gone the next. Some of us may not leave this building, or one of us may not. Uh, we may, you know, we've heard of people just off they, off they go. I remember Brother Pinky Harris back in uh, uh, North Carolina. They, they called me one day and they said, uh, Brother Pinky Harris has died. I said, well, what happened? And his wife says he was sitting at the breakfast table. He never said a word. He just went down face first on the table, and that was it. He had no indication whatsoever that that would be his, his last breath, that the last time that he would see his wife or see anyone. We don't know. Our life on earth is brief. Uh, by the way, he was just 68 years old at the time. I thought that was old then, but <laughs> I've way surpassed that now. Well, not way surpassed, at least a ways. But we don't know. You know, uh, there are those that don't, do not understand, or at least they don't act like they understand, that life on earth is brief. Oh, I'll have time. How many times have we asked those that have gone astray uh, when, uh, or, or encouraged them to come back to services and make things right with God? And they'll say something like, well, I know what I need to do, or I need to, or I'm going to. Life is brief. We don't know when we will pass from this life. There's a marvelous working of God that takes place when one is baptized. We know we're baptized into Christ. We know that our sins have been remitted, Acts 2, verse 38. We know that our sins have been washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. We know that we rise to walk a new life, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Do we really? Well, I say we know. Do we know those things? Am I ready to give an answer to individuals of why I did what I did? Well, I've obeyed the gospel because I have that hope of heaven. Heaven is my home. This earth is not my home. I live temporarily here in Oklahoma, but this earth is not my home. I heard a, a good lesson a while back about someone, uh, uh, well, it was a, a lectureship lesson, and they were talking about we have the idea that we here in the United States are, are God's chosen people. And his lesson was, no, no one is God's chosen people unless they obey the gospel. And that can be anywhere on the face of the earth. You see the wisdom of God when he said, uh, when his son said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Doing mission work, if you've ever done any, you've had people to ask you something like this. Why do you want to go in a foreign country? There's enough work to do here. Well, first of all, I want to go because God said go. He said go into all the world. And then you see the wisdom in it and the way the gospel is disappearing right here before our very faces. You see individuals that stand in pulpits like this all across the land. Now, I'm talking about so-called gospel preachers. And they are afraid to preach the Word. They are afraid to say things like they are supposed to be said. They are afraid to warn people because, you know what, I might lose my job. They don't have that hope of heaven. They don't have, they're not ready to give an answer. 
of the hope that is in them with meekness and fear. This new life that we enjoy day by day emphasizes the value of the spiritual life. You know, the, the, uh, like uh, James said, our life is, a, is, is, is like a vapor. Job talked about our life being uncertain in Job 14, verses 1 and 2. He said, man that is born of a woman is, a, is a, a, he's, I started to say full of faith. <laughs> man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He goeth, or he cometh forth as a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. So life being like a vapor is brief and life being uncertain. Why don't we know the hope that is in us with meekness and fear? I remember a billboard years ago and the caption on that billboard said, have you tried everything else? Try Jesus. And I kind of thought, no, that's incorrect. You don't try Jesus. He's your life if you're a Christian. He is everything. And we sing that song, He is my everything. Well, is He? Are you ready to give an answer to every man that asks if you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear? In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it talks about the the idea well not the idea the the fact of uh, that we are to seek things above again that's not trying Jesus is it we as kids of and some of the kids here played the game hide and seek well the ones that are doing the hiding the one that is it has to go seek and they'll look here and they'll look there they won't and occasionally you'll run into someone or some child that you know they just don't want to seek and they'll say oh, I can't find anybody and they'll just give up well that's not seeking is it and we encourage them go look here go look there well are we looking here and looking there in the scriptures are we seeking those things that are above am I ready to give an answer in verse 1 of Colossians 3 it's, it tells us one reason why we are to seek things above. It says, because ye are risen with Christ. Well, one knows when he's raised with Christ. Colossians 2 verse 12 says, we're buried with him in baptism. Where so, where, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So this marvelous work takes place at baptism. Our sins are washed away. We're raised to walk in newness of life. And so this emphasizes the value of the spiritual life. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves that break through and steal. But what do most people do? Lay up their treasures on earth. It's not worth it. You're not going to take it with you. Brother Richard Curry used to say to us, he said, boys, have you ever seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul? No, I haven't. I bet Keith Mosier used that when you were there because he heard Brother Curry say it many, many times. We've not seen it. We're not going to take it with us. And, and like the, Jesus said, this is where the moth and rust of corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But then he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because... Neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and thieves do not break through nor steal. And then he goes on to say, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is our treasure? Is it in heaven? If our treasure is in heaven, if we really want to go to heaven, 
We'll make that effort, won't we? We'll make that effort to get, be ready to give an answer to every man the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. We need to keep our minds on the spiritual and remember to use material things, not to worship material things. But so often people worship uh, the material and they fail to, to uh, worship the spiritual. We have to use what God has given us. We use it in many ways. We use the, our material well-being to support our family, uh, to pro provide for our own, as 1 Timothy 5, 8 says. But we also should use our material means to help others. Have you ever thought about that? You know, I hear people many times, well, I guess I could relate, relate to the um, uh, stimulus checks that most everyone got a while back. And I, you, could, you could see billboards and advertisements and all kinds of things. Come in and use your, your uh, uh, what did I say it was, a stimulus check to do this and to buy this and so on and so forth. And I thought, why don't they use it to help others? You know, that doesn't mean that we can't take a part of it, but why don't we use things to help others? I, I sometimes in a, in a sermons on, on giving, I make the, the uh, statement that so often we think in terms of raising contribution this way. If I can't raise it $5 or $10 or $20, I'll just leave it like it is. You know, we get a very small percentage of raises on our job, well, why not give a small percentage of raise to the Lord? You know, that would be fair, would it not? Why can't we give 50 cents more? Why can't we give a dollar more? You know, I, I don't understand our reasoning many times. We, we, if we have the idea that if I can't give a big amount, then I'm going to withhold. Are we not robbing God? Think of what, what 50 cents more from each and every family in a congregation will do for the budget. We'll be able to help others, won't we? We'll be able to do some things that we could, couldn't normally do. In Ephesians 4.28, it says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. There are people out there in need. Now, I understand that there are many deadbeats out there as well. All of us understand that. But there are people out there in need. I, uh, we... Uh, before the virus took place, we had a, a monthly, I think maybe y'all were doing something similar to this, a monthly pantry that was open to people that came and, and had need. And I, I'm glad to say during that time, there, I, don't think it, I don't think but one person that really was a deadbeat showed up. Those other people truly had a need. We had two men that would come every week, and you know about the second week they came, they started reaching in their pockets and pulling out money and sticking it in the contribution plate that was still on the table up there. I said, look, you don't have to pay for that. Oh, no, you're doing a good work, and we want to help with that. They saw the, that need of helping others, but yet they came and got one bag of groceries, one small Walmart bag of groceries. And, and that's the kind of people that need help when they need help. Right now, we're on a call-to-call -call basis. We've told people, if you need help, call us. There's one lady that just, she's just as appreciative as she can be. She'll call, call us about once every two months. She'll come to the building, and she'll get two bags of groceries. And I'm thinking, well, that's a little different than the deadbeats. They want to come, and you'll have to say, now, wait a minute, we need to limit, limit what you get so we'll have, for, have some for others. 
But so often we fail to think about using our material well-being to help others. And of course we ought to use our material well-being to support the preaching of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Chuck and I were talking about some of the places we've been and some of the, uh, the attitudes of those throughout our brotherhood and Hopefully they've changed, but I doubt very seriously they've had, they have. So many times the, the brethren will tell you, this is what we pay, but like I told him the first work I went to, they said, this is what we pay, and you won't need that much. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you really want to support me, don't, do you not? I was somewhat embarrassed in one occasion when I went into to an insurance agent and trying to, to get a... a Life, not life insurance, but uh, health insurance years ago. And he looked at me and he says, well, the church I attend, we pay our preacher's health insurance. And that kind of embarrassed me. And I said, well, our congregation, you know, we they leave it up to us and, and so on and so forth. And they pay us, I almost had to say they pay us enough to, to do that, but it was a struggle. They're really not interested in helping. So many are not helping in preaching or supporting the preaching of the gospel. One one congregation, someone told me, well, one of the elders gives 25 cents a week. He's been doing that for years. And I looked at him and they said, well, I've got to be honest. He's up to two a dollar a week now. And I thought, wow. They're really not interested in supporting the gospel. And the support of the gospel just doesn't go to, to the, uh, the, the preacher, so to speak, but spreading the gospel throughout the brotherhood. It costs money to buy tracts. It costs money to do mail-outs. The house-to-house, heart-to-heart is an excellent way to do that. Um, it costs money to do radio and television and send missionaries, but these ought to all be on our minds. What more can we do to help the support and preaching of the gospel? That's the reason of the hope, that one of the reasons of the hope that is in us should be in us with meekness and fear. I want to do more for the Lord, not less. I'm going to get a raise this year, we think. Well, maybe I'll be able to buy that new car. Maybe I'll be able to make that car payment. Why not think about in terms of raising contributions? Jesus said in Matthew 6.24 that we cannot serve God and mammon or God and material things. We serve God and we worship God. We use the material things that, we, that He has blessed us with for His cause. Another reason it states there in Colossians 3 and verse 3 that we are to seek those things above, it says because you're dead. Well, we know what dead is. Dead is a separation. Physical death is a separation of the body and spirit. James 2.26 Spiritual death separates us from Christ. You know, we don't like to see our loved ones pass on in physical death, but it's a fact, you know, we start dying the day we're born. We're going to die one day unless we're alive when the Lord returns. And someone says that that there are so many today that plan their annual vacation and spend more time and money on that than they do in their eternity, where they're going to be for eternity. And that's a shame. We are dead. We're separated from sin. We are individuals that realize that sin is spiritual death and it will separate us from Christ. 
In Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Isn't that a horrible thought? There are literally hundreds of folks right here in our area, I guess, that have passed on today, have no hope. They're dead and they were dead in their trespasses and sins. Heaven will not be theirs. Being dead to the world means to put to death sinful practices, according to verse 5 of Colossians 3. The Christian has separated himself from an old sinful life. Have we? Have we separated ourselves from the old sinful life? The uh, We were talking about Jamaica this afternoon, and I, I love one of the songs they always would sing too. Um, says, uh, the things I used to do, I will do them no more. The places I used to go, I will go there no more. The things I used to say, I will say them no more. It's been a great day since I was born. Since the day we obeyed the gospel. You know, we have to put to death those sinful practices. The Christian has separated himself from the old sinful life. And I mentioned this morning, that means sometimes... Uh, past companions. Sometimes it even means family members. We have to separate ourselves from them. We must uh, realize over and over again what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says to us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's been a great day since I was born, they sing. It has been. The Christian life is the greatest life on the face of the earth. There is none better. You know, we might possess wealth. means nothing if we're not Christians. We might have everything that our hearts desire. It means nothing if we're not Christians. Are we ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh us? The reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Another reason we seek those things that are above is uh, found also in in Colossians 3, verse 3, because your life is hid with Christ. Don't you love some of the things that Paul says uh, in, in the book of Philippians? Verse, chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's not something you try, is it? To live is Christ. He's my life. I like the old um, Gatorade commercials. I, I don't know if they still air any of them or not. But it shows the athlete, him sweating, and he had been drinking the, the orange Gatorade, and the sweat was coming out orange. In other words, he was full of Gatorade. Well, are we full of Christ for us to live as Christ and to die as gain? Dying is gain if we're a Christian. Dying is gain if we're faithful, a faithful Christian. He needs to be in us. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's by His authority, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. How many times have we heard the phrase when we question a person on their religious practices, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, the Lord does. Are you full of Christ? To live, for you to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
You know, the Christian's purpose is to serve Christ. It's not to serve earthly things. Matthew 6, 19, and 20, 19 through 21. With our heart on earthly things, we'll be controlled by earthly things. So, is my life hid with Christ? As He directs in the, the third chapter there, Colossians, you might read that later on. And, and ask, be honest with, it, with yourself. Am I, is my life really hid with Christ? Have I been sexually pure? Most of the world today is not. You know, I, I talked with a, one of the young men that worked with us for a little while in the lawn mowing, and um, he, was, he sounded like a very religious fellow. He sounded like he was going to come and visit with us, and then he, he uh, dropped the bomb about he and his fiancée had been living together for a year or two, and they were going to get married. And I thought, we well, got it backwards. You know, you're not living sexually pure. We need to live emotionally balanced. We need to live to help others. We need to live a life of love and a life of peace. And that's what the Christian life is. It is a life of love and a life of peace. In Colossians 3 verse 4, we are to seek those things that are above because Christ shall appear. He's coming back. I don't know if we'll be alive when He comes back, but we know that every eye shall see Him. That includes mine and yours. We're, he's coming back and He's going to, to uh, uh, render judgment upon all nations. Which side will you want to be on? With the sheep or the goats? Oh, well, I choose the sheep. Well, let's live like it. Let us learn to, to, to give an answer of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Colossians 24, or Colossians, Matthew 24, Colossians doesn't have 24 verses, 24 chapters, does <laughs> I didn't think it did, but that, I got your attention, didn't I? In Matthew 24, in verse 42, it says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Like I was explaining a little earlier, death can be just on a twinkle of an eye. The Lord come back that quickly too. Are we ready? That's the whole theme of the week's lessons, is it not? Are you ready? Are we? Are we ready to give an answer to tonight's lesson? You know, there are things that will happen when He appears. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise. Matthew, or John 5, verses uh, 28 and 29, says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. It's not, uh, I wonder if He is. He is coming. In the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There's just two places to go. You know, we want life, or do we want damnation? When the Lord returns this earth, then the works shall be burned up. Second Peter 3, verses 10 through 12 certainly indicates that. There's not anything going to be left on this earth for us. There's no such thing as premillennialism. Not in the Bible anyway. It's a theory that man has come up with, and it sounds convincing because folks want a second chance. They want to say, oh, well, I didn't mean to live like that. Be too late when He returns. When the Lord returns, Judgment Day will be a reality. We're not going to be able to say, wait a minute, let me make things right. 
It's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. Matthew 25, the Lord talks about the judgment scene there, and I've already mentioned that, about everyone will be, or all will be gathered before Him, and uh, all nations will be there, and He'll begin the separation, and He'll separate them as a she- from one another as a shepherd, divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. I want to be with the sheep. I want to go to heaven, don't you? Heaven will truly be worth it all. Christians will receive bodies like Jesus when the Lord returns. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. John, 1 John 3, 2 says that we shall be like Him. Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. But we're going to be like Him one day if that, if that hope is in us. If that hope is in us with meekness and fear. And you know one thing that the, the, uh, the Bible tells us that is so encouraging, we're going to be with Him forever. There'll be no ending. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 for, says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, it says, forever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Heaven. You ought to look yourself in the mirror sometimes and say, Heaven. 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 I remember one fellow telling me when he was in college, he was selling books, trying to work his way through college. He said, that was a hard thing. And he said, they taught us to stand in front of the mirror. And he said, every morning in front of the mirror, I would stand there and he'd say, he'd look himself in the eye and say, I believe in me, I believe in me, I believe in me, I believe in me. And he won the top salesman in the first year that he was selling books. Do we believe in ourselves? Do we comfort ourselves with the words that heaven is my home? Are you ready to give the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear? Have we set our mind on going to heaven? I love this song, Earth holds no treasure but perish with using, however, pre- however precious they be. Yet there's a country to which I am going. Heaven holds all to me. Oh boy. You know... I get choked up talking about Larry Yarber. But that wonderful brother has been able to lay his armor down. He's been able to set it aside because he knew what he wanted. Heaven obviously was holding all for him. Does it for me and you? Do you obey the gospel? Those that are listening over the, the internet, have you obeyed the gospel? You can do so, as I said this morning, at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It doesn't have to be at the time we're meeting. Get a phone number of the Lord's church and call. So I'm ready to obey the gospel. Through faith, 
Without faith it's impossible to please Him. Hebrews 11.6 Repenting of sins, Luke 13.3 Repent or else perish. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with our mouths. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 Be baptized to wash away your sins. Acts 2 verse 38 And then when you rise, how are you living that faithful life? Sometimes we fall short. I have. I've had to repent of sins after becoming a Christian. Probably you have too. Well, you have an opportunity if you've fallen away to do that again tonight. If you need to obey the gospel, you need to respond. Don't miss heaven. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?